Welcome, I'm Jeffrey Lewis, President and CEO of Legacy Health Endowment. We are sponsoring a series of podcasts between Dr. Chris Annamink, an infectious disease specialist with a specific area of pediatrics, and Mr. Nicholas Cortez, a eighth grade student at Sacred Heart School. The goal here is to take the topic of vaccines, COVID, etc., and to explain them to public and private school students in the way that they would understand. Dr. Mink is an expert in doing this, and Nicholas is a wonderful interviewer. Uh, let me welcome both of you to be here to, for being here tonight and to wish you the best and to say thank you because it's with your work and our resources that will hopefully educate more and more students and their families on the importance of vaccinations. Thank you. Jeffrey, thank you so much for the introduction and the opportunity for Nicholas and I to have a chat. Um, Nick, why don't you tell our audience how you and I got acquainted? Well, you used to work with my mom uh, at the Modesto B, and I met you there. And now you are working with my dad here at LEG. And today I get to ask you questions. And I'm really happy for this opportunity. Um, Nick, it's been a real pleasure talking to you about some of the science questions you've asked and some of the things I know that are on your mind and your friends' minds. Um, what are some of those questions that you'd like to cover today? Um, well, one of them are um, a lot of my friends are worried about um, the vaccine having negative impacts on them. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. That's a really good question, Nick. Um, a lot of uh, grown-ups are really worried about the negative effects of the vaccine, and so I'm sure kids are hearing things too. Um, yes, no vaccine is without any side effects. Just like anything in life, there are risks and benefits. And the vaccine, the most common things that we see are just right where you get the shot. It hurts, um, you know, pain, swelling, sometimes a little headache. Sometimes you just feel kind of tired after a vaccine, but that can happen after any vaccine. And then, you know, there are some of those weird, strange, unusual side effects that make a big news. And so people get really worried about them. But those are really rare. Um, for example, I, I'm, I'm guessing some of your friends may have heard about it causing sort of inflammation in your body. Um, and that can happen very rarely. And by very rarely, I mean no more than one in a hundred thousand to like one in a million. And so that's in part because the vaccine sort of behaves a little bit like the virus itself. And the virus itself, if you actually get that SARS virus, can cause really bad inflammation throughout your body, um, which makes it hard to cure if you get a bad case. We don't see that very often with the vaccine. It cannot alter your DNA. I know that's a question I hear all the time. It's not nucleic acid. It's a messenger RNA. It's called mRNA. And so it means just that. That messenger gets down inside your cells. It teaches your immune system how to take care of the virus. And then it just disappears. It does not get into your DNA. It does not change your genetics. Um, I've also heard a lot of people say that they're nervous about getting the vaccine because it was developed so quickly and it might have been rushed. 
Yeah. And even, like, the nickname that the government gave it was Operation Warp Speed, right? You just get visions of something sucking into a black hole, right? Um, it, it actually wasn't rushed. Um, this vaccine has been based on decades of research. You're, I know your age group is too young to remember, but back in 2002, there was a SARS outbreak with a very related coronavirus, and they were working on a vaccine then. And so when this ugly virus came back, uh, the researchers went back to the shelves and their data files and said, look what we learned before. Oh, yeah, we know how to do this. We know how to, to make these vaccines. And they've actually in between even used the mRNA stuff for um, Ebola in Africa uh, and some other unusual viruses um, that aren't mass marketed, you know, where everyone needs it. This is the first time that it's been available to the entire public, but the, the research and science is old. It's been around. <laughs> uh, could you tell us about how the vaccine works? Sure. A little more about like that. The, um, as I mentioned a little bit, the messenger RNA takes the message into your cells and teaches your body to make an immune response. It, and that being antibodies. And those antibodies are specifically a, a, um, designed to attack the spike protein. You remember the pictures of the virus? That's why it's yeah. called corona, meaning crown, all those spikes on it. And so that's how the mean virus, and I know I keep saying it because I'm so tired of this virus. I'm sure you guys are too. But the amino virus uses those spikes to hook into your cells, right? So now that the mRNA has gone in and taught your body, your immune system, how to make antibodies against that spike, it can't attach. It can't get in anymore. So that's how it protects you. I had to get um, vaccinations before I started kindergarten. Uh, is this any different than the vaccines you had to get when you were five? It's That's a really good question uh, also. in good thinking on your your part and your friends to say, wait, I've been needing vaccines for school before. Yes, especially in the state of California, you have mandated vaccines required for you to attend school. And this rule is no different. Um, and, and the reason being is not only do vaccines protect you, but they protect those around you. So if you, if you um, get measles, Right? You could spread that to your whole classroom. And measles can actually can be quite deadly, and people forget that because we don't have that much measles anymore. And so that's the same principle with the COVID vaccine. Not only does it protect you, but you're protecting your community and your friends and your classmates and your grandparents. You know, some people can have a really bad disease with COVID, and that's why in public schools, they have vaccines that are required. In terms of indoor and outdoor, I know we've gone back and forth on that a few times. Uh, where are we on that now? Yeah. Again, really good question. So uh, no place right now is totally safe from COVID because it's still in our community, especially around Stanislaus and Merced. There's still a fair number of cases happening. So what's safer is outdoors with great ventilation, right? Because the virus can spread out among the air and not necessarily 
go right to another person. And so, you know, if you're vaccinated and not in a crowd, you don't need a vac- you don't need to wear a mask outside. You're pretty much as safe as you can be right now. Indoors, there's greater risk. Um, and that the way that we kind of decrease those risks for kids going to school, for example, indoors is all of the other steps that we've learned during this pandemic. You wear your mask, right? You try and stay at least three feet apart, ideally six feet, but some schools just don't have that kind of space. So at least three feet. Some schools have done partitions to try and help decrease it. So, okay, mask, physical distancing, ventilation. So a lot of schools have upgraded their air system to try and make sure there's lots of good fresh air coming in, or even simply keeping the doors and windows open as much as you can. Cleaning, hand washing, stay home when you're sick, (laughs) right? And then you remember this from kindergarten is sneeze and cough in your elbow, right? And that keeps the germs here instead of going all over your entire room. Um, So more Um, Steps you take to try and stay safe indoors are better, but outdoors still is even better because you have all the fresh air. I'm vaccinated, so does that mean I can go anywhere and do anything? Um, For example, if I sit next to somebody who isn't vaccinated and often doesn't wear a mask, um, do I need to be worried about that? Um, And that's a really good question also for kids going to school, especially, you know, like in middle school, you change rooms and you're not always with just one group of kids. So when you're um, vaccinated, you are less, much less likely to get infected. And if you are masked and vaccinated, you're even less likely to get infected. So um, being next to someone who is not vaccinated and if you've done all your precautions that decreases your risk but your risk is not zero um so that's why the centers for disease control the cdc still says everyone should wear their mask indoor vaccinated or unvaccinated i've heard of parents who don't want their kids to wear masks because um they suffer adverse health problems Uh, how would you respond to that (laughs) Um, There are some kids that can't wear a mask, um, more so for kids that have some extra challenges um, with disabilities, you know, um, that makes it a little bit harder for them. But for most normal healthy children, there is no contraindication to wear a mask. It does not increase you retaining CO2, you know, the part we breathe out, it does not because CO2 is even tinier than the virus, so it can still get out. And so with masks, the reason, and there are now data, it's a big controversy because way back in, you know, January, February 2020, when this is all starting, even the experts, even the CDC was saying masks probably don't help. Well, we've since learned masks do help. That's science. Things change. Um, It's really hard to have so many changes over a year and a half, but there are definitely data that masks help. So like the fancy ones that doctors wear, the N95s, um, like I wear at work when I know I'm taking care of a COVID kid, that lets keeps out 95% of the germs. That's why it's called a 95, an N95. Um, Surgical mask, 
keep out around 65, a little more percent of the germs. Layered cloth mask or just a little bit less than surgical mask. But if you're doing all of the steps, they add together. You had your shots, you wear a mask, you use good hand hygiene, and you keep your space from others, and you stay home when you're sick, then those all help um, add up to protecting you. Why couldn't kids from ages 5 to 11 get vaccinated? Um, why is it taking so long to get approval for that age group? Yeah, it does feel, it's kind of funny that I hear that question too um, from, from adults, not just from other kids. Like I've had some kids say, but why do I have to get the shot? My little brother can't get the shot, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. it's a, that's a really good question. How vaccines are developed, um, first there's in the lab. Things like, you know, think of all the little crazy scientists that are my friends that are sitting there doing the research, looking in microscopes. I love doing that, by the way. Um, They do that first. And then a lot of times there will be testing done in different animal models, which to some people is scary. The COVID vaccine, not so much for animal models, but there are some things that happen like that. Then it gets to humans. So... Um, There's already been years of research before a vaccine even gets to a human, and we always start with adults. Even if it's going to be a shot that's just for babies, we always start with adults. And the reason, in part, is because adults can tell you how they feel after a vaccine. They can say, you know what, my arm hurts, I have a headache, and that helps us know, you know, what are some of the adverse effects from the vaccine. So then we go from adults down to healthy teenagers, because teenagers can tell, you tell me, this hurts, Dr. Meek, I don't like it, you know, you tell me. But And then younger kids aren't as good at communicating how it feels. And then, of course, babies can't don't even have words, and so they tend to be the last ones to get um, in a vaccine. So if you think about it, on one hand, people are saying, this vaccine's taken no time at all, it was rushed out. And now they're saying, why are you taking so long getting it to my school-age kids? <laughs> you know, So it's going through the usual channels. And the good news is that it's going to be data of the company from Pfizer, the one that has been used in teenagers. The company from Pfizer has submitted data to the Food and Drug Administration for the 5 to 11-year-olds. So that's going to be reviewed sometime towards the end of this month, and we'll know how, how it's performed. What I've seen so far in the early data, because it's not all public yet, is that they use a lower dose, right? Um, for teenagers and adults, the dose of vaccine is about 30 micrograms. And they found in studies that they did, you know, monitoring kids, they only need 10 micrograms. So that's been a really important reason that it takes a little extra time is kids don't need as much and they still make really good antibody responses. So it's all been usual. Um, It's just hard when you're worried about your little brothers and sisters, you know, are they going to be protected? What can I do to help them? What's the deal on booster shots? Well, I need to get one eventually. Yeah, yeah everybody's worried. What do you mean more vaccines? Yeah. Um, the coronavirus, again, keeps teaching us science pretty much every day. Uh, what we've learned with this last Delta variant is, yep, 
this virus is really smart and it can mutate at will. And so the researchers are saying, okay, it looks like we probably need to give a booster to the people that are more vulnerable, like the elderly, or if you have a high-risk profession, or your immune system isn't strong, you need a booster. They're looking at, do we all need a booster? Um, will there be, you know, this time next year, where they saying all the 12 and 15-year-olds need to get another booster before they start school? I don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> um, I wish I did, because I think it would be kind of cool to win the lottery. I don't know. Um, it, the what I do know is that it seems to behaving kind of like the flu virus. So that's why you have to get a flu vaccine every year, right? Because the flu virus mutates all the time. Uh, and so the vaccine for flu that you got last year might not protect you this year. So they, every year you go back and get a flu shot. And there are actually even researchers working on uh, combining you know, flu and COVID vaccine, so that's just one needle that you have to get every year. However, even me being a little concerned that that might happen, we don't know yet. Those are some of the answers that we're not going to know um, until we really learn more about this virus. You mentioned a minute ago that the seasonal flu virus mutates. What do you mean by mutates? That's a good question, too. I'm sorry I uh, should have explained it a little better. And, um, you know, we all talk about mutants because usually yeah. it's when you're watching a scary movie or something. You know, the aliens are mutating and they're coming with 16 heads. Um, the viruses can <laughs> yeah. do the same thing. That a virus has to live in somebody for it to stay alive. So we know that the flu virus... And almost all viruses um, find ways to change their genes and how they, sh how they can get by the immune system um, so they can still get into humans. So the flu virus changes its outside shell um, pretty often, um, sometimes every year. And with that changing, that mutation, that's what allows it um, to still be able to cause infection. Uh, and that's why you need an annual flu vaccine. And, and the coronavirus is much the same, like the Delta variant. So a mutation is a variant. So everybody's heard about the Delta variant, how much more contagious it is. And that's because it found, the virus found a way to kind of change a couple parts around that spike protein so that it can still get inside your cells. Um, and, and the mutating viruses really teach us science a lot. <laughs> Speaking of the Delta variant, I've heard that it's a lot harder on kids my age than the original strain was. Is that true? It seems to be true. Um, the Delta variant did sort of find ways to get around the immune system and be more contagious. So we've seen more cases in kids and we've seen kids have uh, some more severe illnesses than we did with the original virus. But there's a couple of things going on there. For one, we've seen more cases in kids in part because most grownups are immunized. Um, so the virus uh, isn't totally good at getting into people that are vaccinated. You can still get the Delta variant if you've been vaccinated, but not you're not as 
vulnerable um, if you've had the vaccine. Some of the kids at, with the Delta variant have been more sick, and more sick meaning we've had some more kids need to get into the hospital or have had pneumonia or need to get specific treatments for the, var- for the virus. The original one didn't seem to get uh, too many kids, and the kids that did get ill um, pretty much had, like, common cold kind of symptoms, you know, headaches, stuffy nose, sneezing. Um, this time it seems to be a little more... Uh, frequently that you'll see pneumonia or other reasons that they have to get in the hospital. One of the questions that I hear asked around my school a lot is if you take all the precautions and you wear a mask and you get tested for COVID every day, but you're not vaccinated, are you still safe or... Yeah, you're not as safe as if you're vaccinated. Those things are really good for kids to do but the vaccine offers the best protection that we have at this time. Those your friends ask good questions. <laughs> yeah. I was lucky enough to have parents that let me get the vaccination the first chance I got, but unfortunately I have a lot of friends that really want to get the vaccine, but their parents are heavily against it. Do you have any advice on that that you would give them? Sure. I uh, And I'm happy to talk with any of your friends, too, <laughs> because that's a really tough one. Um, and sometimes kids your age are paying a lot more attention to the science and what's current than their parents have had the opportunity to do because they're busy or worried or, or whatever. But you guys have had the chance to read about it or learn more of the backgrounds behind it. In California, uh, people under 18 need parental uh, consent to get immunized. So the the advice I offer is that this is a time where um, the kids should say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I would like to get the vaccine. I've um, learned about this at school or on this podcast or wherever that it seems that, you know, 400 million people have gotten the vaccine. Um, I feel pretty safe getting the vaccine. I know you don't agree. Could we talk to our doctor and make an appointment, you know, with our pediatrician or something so that we all can talk about this and make a decision together? So my last question is one that I've also heard asked a lot around my school. Um, If the people around me are vaccinated and I have already had COVID, so I'm immune, and it didn't affect me that badly, do I still need to get vaccinated? The data still show that vaccinated people after recovering for COVID are less susceptible, less vulnerable to getting infection than people who have recovered from the disease and didn't get vaccinated. And some of that, interestingly, is some of the antibodies made from the vaccine have Um, maybe a little more power at protecting you against some of those variants. Because if you got infected with the original strain, your antibodies might not protect you against some of the the, uh, variants, which is really kind of interesting, isn't it? Usually after natural infection, your protection is as good as it's going to get. But there are studies showing that the vaccine kicks it up even a little better than recovering from natural infection. Nick, you're 
as we say, you're on the ground with a lot of kids. Uh, are the kids worried about getting sick or losing parents to COVID? Or um, Not really. Most of the kids that I have at my school are more worried about the effects of the vaccine than they are ab- about COVID because they say that everyone around them is vaccinated and protected so they don't need to get it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And have you um, had kids talk about um, concerns with um, sort of their mental health during all the isolation and and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I hope we have another chance and that we can talk a little more and explore some of those issues in the future. It's been great to have this opportunity to talk with you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for answering my questions. Sure.